Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the JWB Fantasy Football Podcast. And week one is in the books. Justin, how you feeling? Not as good as I hope I would. It was a rough week one from a fantasy standpoint. A couple incorrect decisions here and there, but I'm sure everybody's probably having about the the same reaction. At least we don't have anybody who's out for the year like a whole bunch of people do already. Pretty pretty massive implications for week one i think we got a whole lot to go over but the uh theory we heard toted here and there that with no preseason and a lot of what was going on with covid that we were going to see a rash of injuries in week one certainly came to fruition huh yeah we were lucky enough to avoid uh all the injuries but i know people out there are, are not having good days right now after all these injuries that happened now going back to some of these games if you go to the JWB Fantasy Football website, you can actually see Justin's write-up on the Thursday night game. I did a write-up on the Sunday games, but I wanted to talk to you, Justin, about your thoughts on Sunday and what were some things that stood out to you. Yeah, well, I guess let's just take a look and see what maybe is of some interest here. Um, first game that I have up in front of me is the Ravens just shellacking the Browns 38-6. I, I thought the Ravens just looked fantastic in all facets was really really impressed with the fact that jk dobbins not only outworked but outsnapped mark ingram how about that in week one yeah uh i do not feel good about mark ingram at all anymore um i'd be ranking both mark ingram and jk dobbins pretty darn close to each other it's it was pretty interesting do you think that it was a function of them just being up by so much that they felt like they didn't need to have Mark Ingram out there? I don't, because J.K. Dobbins got his first touchdown pretty early in the game. Um, you know, Mark Ingram's getting up there in age. Maybe they just knew all along that J.K. Dobbins was the guy. Yeah, how would we know? No preseason? Not a lot to go off of. This would be our first indication that he is the guy if that's how it's going to go. But I would still venture to say that J.K. is going to see his role increase throughout the year. So if he's already out snapping Ingram, I think he's well on his way to just becoming like the workhorse RB, RB1, RB2 that some people thought he could potentially become. Um, on the Brown side of the ball, man, I think that we're just going to wait and see and maybe we'll get some more content up here on Friday for everybody to take a look at because we're Browns fans. I think we're going to have a good opportunity against Cincinnati to maybe measure more of what we can expect here. I, I thought Chubb and Hunt looked fine. You know, OBJ had 10 targets. He just didn't do anything with them. Baker looked like a disaster. But I really think the Ravens are one of the two best teams in the league. So I think maybe we just kind of keep spectating what's going on with the Browns. I'm not ready to hit the panic button on, like, Nick Chubb yet for example, but I think after watching them play Cincinnati, we'll really be able to dive into what we think about them in particular. For this game and every game that we're going to talk about, I don't want to overreact too much to anything, good or bad. Uh, it, is, it is true, though, that Baker was a mess, um, yeah. and he continues to have zero connection with OBJ. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. It's tough to see. The trade rumors are starting to circulate about OBJ, so maybe we'll end up with a yeah, but we've been down trade episode. Before. It's true. I mean, I'll be interested to see what happens. Um, I know we haven't gotten this far yet, but 
you know, there's rumors circling about Allen Robinson too, and the Patriots mm-hmm. looking for this and that. So who knows? You know, maybe we'll end up with a fun emergency episode this week to go over some massive trade news. Um, the second game that I had up was uh, a funny one for me, just because the Seahawks really went at it with the Falcons, and I remember distinctly you asking, "Are they going to let Russ cook?" And my God, did he make a seven course <laughs> meal out there? Um, yeah. I yeah, for us. Yeah, I don't have like a ton of takeaways. I mean, they did kind of exactly what I was hoping they would do, which is make it apparent to everybody that all their assets are viable. Um, Quick note here for me in particular is that I think because I still don't have faith in Chris Carson, that his trade value is really high right now, and I'd be looking to move him for a piece wherever I could. I know that's a very popular thing being said this week anyway, but what a great matchup for him. He hasn't had a chance to have health or fumbling issues start to cut into his workload in any way, but we've been down this road before with Chris Carson and that worm starts to turn at some point. So I think a couple of early season matchups that could be very well for him might help you take a guy like him who you drafted in the third or fourth round and flip him into an even better asset from somebody who may have Joe Mixon, for example, and is already starting to panic. Um, On the Falcons side, good Lord, their defense has got awful. So maybe we're just starting every single offensive weapon against the Falcons that we can in terms of fantasy football. But it's really interesting from a regular league standpoint that all three of the main receivers in Jones, Gage, and Ridley went for over 100, especially with Jones and Ridley both going for like high 20s, low 30s in most scoring systems. So like those guys are going to be the studs that we thought – Russell Gage in certain matchups is going to be on people's radar for a daily fantasy play. He could be a very popular waiver wire pickup this week as well. And Todd Gurley was super involved. It was just interesting to see a game that for all intents and purposes, man, was a blowout. The Seahawks were so far ahead early in that game. But yet when you look back at it, especially when you look back at it on paper, everybody in that game was a good play. Hopefully that continues for both of them. Yeah, the, the Falcons are who we thought they are. They, they're a fantasy factory for both teams. Yeah, for both teams. That's a really, really good way to put it. Um, next one up for me is Bills and Jets. Bills 27, Jets 17. Adam Gase probably won't have a job by the time we record this show next week. Uh, they're likely to get trounced on by San Francisco this weekend. Obviously, we got to mention both now and when we're previewing that game later that that's it for Lavian Bell. So they signed Balage there, which isn't going to move the meter. Frank Gore is not going to move the meter. I think we're just kind of waiting for um, Pirine to get involved here at some point to see if he's anything. Um, my one note for the Jets out there is that it does appear that even against good defenses like the Bills, that Jamison Crowder's full go, huh? He's getting all the targets. He's got the ability to break the big plays. They're going to consistently be down, and Sam Darnold's going to have to throw him the ball. I did think that that was really encouraging to see that even in a game where they were behind and not playing well, they kept going to Crowder until eventually it turned into a huge touchdown. Um, The Bills, I guess I'm going to treat them a lot like I said with the Browns. I can't really do a lot with their numbers in a matchup against the Jets. You know, I'm not ready to tell people, like, great job flexing John Brown because I don't know if that was just because they played the Jets. Uh, Diggs was a couple catches away from having a very disappointing day 
and then it turned out okay at the end. Um, and the Jets are so bad that they made Moss and Singletary both look like viable every week plays, and that's just not going to be the case for the Bills going forward. Uh, I still stand by, despite the fact that they did not have a great week, that the Dolphins are a much improved team. So I'm very interested to see what the Bills look like going on the road to play the Dolphins in a warm climate where there are fans at that stadium and kind of see how their offense plays against a more credible defense. Um, but it's all encouraging signs for Buffalo. I'm sure they have to be happy about that. Um, I don't know. I, I can't imagine you have any other big takeaways for that game. Yeah, uh, the Jets are the worst team in football. The only thing surprising about that game was that Josh Allen threw the ball 46 times. I don't think that continues, but just seeing him throw it that much at all, uh, I think is a good sign. Next up for me, it's the Bears and the Lions. Bears 27, Lions 23. I loved what I saw out of Anthony Miller. I did not care for what I saw out of Mitchell Trubisky. And the reason why I say that is because I do not want anyone to look at just the box score alone and think, oh man, maybe Trubisky should be my backup quarterback. Uh, unless I miss something, right? I was trying to watch all these games at the same time, Wyatt. So confirm for me, that the Bears scored three times in the fourth quarter against a Lions secondary that had lost all three of their top cornerbacks by that point of the game? Correct. Jeffrey Okuda didn't play, then Justin Coleman and Desmond Trufant got hurt in the game. In game. And I think it was in the second half to yeah. the point that it was tough for um, Patricia to really adjust on the fly to what was happening there. And they don't really have the personnel to lose three corners anyway. Most teams don't. So I think the Bears were just – they did what they needed to, but it was very circumstantial because of how that game went. Um, I, I'll be interested to see what the Lions look like going forward um, with Galladay back in that offense. I think the Bears might not have as quite a good a defense as I originally thought they did, so it makes me skeptical on what went well for them. But I didn't love that they gave 14 carries to Adrian Peterson. That kind of gums up the works there. Um, I didn't like that they had every chance to win the game, and when they threw the ball right to Swift's stomach, he kind of looked like the ball was 6,000 degrees and just hot-potatoed it directly to the ground like a moron and lost the game. Like I, So almost every part of that game – was weird to me. Like Montgomery was hurt, but played okay, but not stellar. Like no one did anything in that game where I look back at it, especially a few days later and think, yes, I'm very optimistic about how that went for them. Uh, so it, it, it was rough. I, I got to say outside of Kenny Galladay, I'd be real nervous with Allen Robinson being upset, but not asking for a trade, but he is asking for a trade and all the uncertainty with Anthony Miller having had an average game until everyone else got injured. Like I can't say that there's a player on either of these two teams that I'm very comfortable starting unless I absolutely have to at this point, but all the talk about taking guys like Swift, for example, and having them be flex plays. I think that that's just going to go by the wayside for right now. I, I um, think uh, I think Adrian Peterson actually um, clarified things a little bit. I think Carrion Johnson's the odd man out. Adrian Peterson is the main rush, rushing running back, and Swift is going to be the receiving running back. Um, that doesn't mean that's good for anybody. I think we saw what that's like. That's, a, that's well, what's going to be moving forward. I think it's bad for everybody. 
If Adrian yeah, Peterson yeah. isn't going to be involved in the passing game, 14 carries for 93 yards might be one of the best games we see out of him. That's mm-hmm. 9.3 points. He can't mm-hmm. do anything with that, but he's going to prevent everybody else from putting up their numbers as well. Um, and even micro ways, Wyatt, like, don't you have to assume that, that even guys like Hawkinson are going to lose some value because they're just going to hand the ball to AP, whereas they may have previously run a small over the middle route for like a tight end. So it just made everything I think worse. The fact that AP was involved that way. Um, now on the other side of that division, my favorite game of the week of the Packers and Vikings was unreal. Awesome. Huh? Aaron Rodgers looks so much better from a fantasy standpoint than I expected he ever would. And he did it against a really good defense that tried to come after him and failed. So I think that's a big note that everybody should pay attention to here. I was fortunate enough to be able to watch most of that game while I was watching the Browns play as well. Uh, But the Vikings came at him a little bit, and the offensive line for the Packers really held up. And what was the result of that? A whole bunch of wide receivers are now viable for the Packers. Valdez, Scantling, Lazard, like these are all now viable options that I think people can look at as waiver wire pickups. Uh, Devontae Adams was otherworldly good in this game, so much so that they didn't really need to utilize much of the rushing attack, but they still got Aaron Jones into the end zone. So some of our theories on the way that they attack when they are within the five and why that means Aaron Jones is not going to regress heavily certainly held up in this game. On the other side of it, I thought the Vikings looked really good as well, despite the fact that they were getting blown out. They continued to fight. Uh, They look like they have great offensive weapons, and Dalvin Cook is every bit the guy that you hoped he would be. And I think their passing offense is going to be just fine. Losing digs isn't going to prevent them from doing what they want to do. So not quite to the extent that the Seahawks and Falcons were a, I think we have to play all these guys matchup the Packers and the Vikings were kind of headed that way as well. So I think a lot of these fringe players, uh, especially Packers wide receivers, we're going to have to keep an eye on going forward. Yeah, there's a narrative before the season that do we get the Aaron Rodgers who wants to say F you to the world after everyone doubting him and them drafting Jordan Love. I'm trying to balance how I feel about that being true and how bad the Vikings secondary is, which we know it is. And for the Vikings – uh, loved what I saw of them, especially because they only had the ball for 20 minutes that game. Yeah, right. And that made it all the more impressive that they were able to do what they did. So I, who knows? I mean, I'm going to need to see it for another week before I decide I'm going to go all crazy. But there could be a lot of people who took Aaron Rodgers in the ninth, 10th, 11th round of drafts that could end up with the top five QB if he's going to even be some semblance, if he's going to be 75% of what we saw this past week. So it's definitely worth monitoring. Now, speaking of quarterbacks that came out of nowhere, I thought uh, Cam Newton put up really good numbers in a fashion that I don't think we can rely on going forward. So Pats go out, they beat the Dolphins 21-11. This is another one that I got to watch almost the whole game. Uh, Wyatt, I, I can tell you firsthand that it was appalling how ill-prepared the Dolphins were to stop a bunch of design runs. This was not Cam being Superman. It's very, very clear that in a short amount of time with no preseason games that Josh McDaniels has pivoted to the type of RPO that will work well for Cam Newton. 
there are going to be better defenses with better coaching staffs that are more prepared that make Cam Newton have a very bad or at best a very pedestrian day on Sunday. For whatever reason, the Dolphins looked like they didn't have a clue who Cam Newton was or what to expect, and they got caught out on a whole bunch of just basic power sweeps to the right or left side. And I don't expect that to be sustainable for them going forward. Uh, I did not really see a lot else from New England that I loved. Like, the run game was iffy outside of Cam. You know, Edelman had five catches for 57 yards, but doesn't look like a red zone target. Like, no, no one person jumped off the page for me for the Patriots. If anything, one thing that I found very interesting is despite the fact that they are starting six new people on the defensive side of the ball, which has never been done well in NFL history before, they did look really good on defense. So it definitely does seem to be an element of scheme playing into their favor there. So we may want to continue to be careful of flex play sort of players against the Patriots defense. I was real high on Preston Williams. A lot of people were real high on Devontae Parker. I snuck Jordan Howard into one of my teams at the last minute, and the Patriots did kind of say, you don't want to use those type of players against us. I don't have much of anything to say about the Dolphins. It was really bad. Their running back situation is a nightmare. I can't really recommend anybody runs out to go get Gaskin. And now with Devontae Parker hurt, it, it becomes a question of can Preston Williams be a number one and put up good numbers, or is he going to see really tough coverage and be a train wreck? And there's not a lot I think we can do with, with a whole lot of that yet. But they get the Bills next week. So like I said about the Bills, I think we're going to learn a lot about those teams later. It's, it, this one's hard for me because I don't know how much of it to believe because it didn't seem like a normal game from either mm -hmm. team. Instead of Fitz Magic, we got Fitz Tragic. So he kind of uh, crippled that offense – there could have been something there, but he was played so poorly that it wasn't. And on New England's side, I mean, we knew if a team was going to be able to craft an offense for Cam, it was going to be the Patriots because they they they're kind of chameleons that way that they they craft every offense every year to the personnel that they have. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right. I don't think we're going to see Cam run that much, but I do think he will get used in the red zone. So if he continues to get some of those rushing touchdowns, you know, I think he'll still be a viable viable quarterback. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think with Jamal Adams running around in police in the middle of the field on Sunday night, we're really going to learn a lot about the Patriots in a short amount of time. And mm -hmm. from a fantasy standpoint, we need to do that. Uh, <laughs> another game that was really tough to watch. Next one up for me is Washington football team 27 and Philadelphia 17. What a nightmare that was. The, the Eagles confirmed what we already knew. You can play Goddard, you can play Ertz, even to the extent that you could look to flex these guys if you have another really good tight end. Rager and Jackson, at least in a world where there's no Alshon Jeffrey to provide more balance to this offense, are going to be very boom-bust sort of plays. Both of those guys, Wyatt, had deep shots that Wentz missed them with an inaccurate throw. And... Although Washington looked really good on the pass rush, right? They registered eight sacks in this game. Uh, what my eyes told me watching this was it was a little bit of both. About half of those sacks were Wentz's fault. About half of those sacks were the offensive line injuries. The offensive line could improve a little bit. Wentz has to improve a little bit for me. I didn't see much from him in a not only quarterback level, like accuracy level, but as the game and the momentum started to shift, his leadership was not apparent either. 
and that can bring the whole offense down, including the tight ends who had really good numbers. Um, but in in good matchups and when things are going well, I think it's clear they're going to go after Ertz and Goddard very heavily, and we're going to want to keep an eye on that. Um, I don't know for sure. Maybe you do. Are we expecting that Miles Sanders is just back next week, or is there something long-term there? I did hear that part of the reason why he was out was some possible precaution over COVID that there's no point in traveling with him if he may not be able to play. So it wasn't necessarily a he can't play this week. It was we're not sure if he can play. It's not worth the risk of him traveling with us. So it should be good to go next week, which would be nice because, of course, if he's in, he's a stud and we're going to constantly use him. Uh, On the other side for Washington, you know, I – think they did what they needed to. They showed that they're competent enough that we can use the players here and there if we choose. I think we saw about the worst possible result that we could get out of Antonio Gibson because he wasn't used super, super heavily. And even in some minor usage, he showed these flashes of awesomeness that I think we can say as Ron Rivera trusts him more and goes to him more, he's going to become more of an asset. Good for them going out to get that win. It just, they did it in a way that didn't have a whole bunch of, I think, fantasy relevance. We'll see as we go forward with both of these teams. Um, All right, next game for me, Raiders 34, Panthers 30. What a game this one was. Josh Jacobs is the absolute truth. All facets of the Raiders passing game are unable to be counted on on a week-to-week basis. Hopefully you have better options. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is the absolute truth. Teddy Bridgewater, if he is not rostered in your league, you should go after and you should go after now. Do not hit the panic button on DJ Moore. It should come. They'll develop their relationship. Do buy stock in Robbie Anderson if he happened to go undrafted in your league. I do think that this is maybe a place where if I liked Curtis Samuel, I'm dropping him and looking for Robbie Anderson. If I have a receiver at the end of my bench that I don't love or a running back or one of these injuries, Robbie Anderson is a guy I might go after. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater wasn't there last year. Robbie Anderson wasn't there last year. Maybe it's just the case that these two have developed a lot of chemistry or Anderson's running the routes that Bridgewater really likes, but he went for him a lot and he had quite a day. So until I see otherwise, I do think that Robbie Anderson proving himself as a viable asset was one major takeaway that I got from this game. Yeah, uh, Robbie Anderson's another guy who's gotten out for under, from underneath uh, Adam Gase and is going on to succeed. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a viable fantasy option moving forward. You're right. Don't worry about DJ Moore. He still, still saw nine targets. He just didn't produce on this given day. I wouldn't worry about it too much. Yeah, last one o'clock game. Let's go. Jags 27, Colts 20. <laughs> Our boy. Minshew is murdering it already, man. I absolutely love him. I love Shark. Everything that I saw out of them, I was pleased with. Uh, I think I'm cutting bait personally on Armstead and Thompson and trying to load up on James Robinson. You and I had a very good back and forth this morning where I told you that I thought James Robinson was my favorite running back pickup of the week you said Malcolm Brown who we'll get to a little bit later uh I just really I don't know like why they weren't really winning a lot of that game it was either close or they were slightly behind and Robinson still had 16 carries Andy was involved a little bit in the passing game like they were happy to go to him and if they're going to do that against a really good team like the Colts I think they're just going to do that against anybody 
And now I think this is just James Robinson's job going forward. I'm going to try and roster him as such. Uh, on the Colts side of the ball, uh, it's a heartbreaking loss for them because they played extremely well and made a couple mistakes that cost them. But, you know, Rivers looked fine. Like, how are you going to argue with 363 yards? I mean, he made some mistakes, but he gave you plenty of yardage to show that maybe he'll be viable. Uh, all the other pieces and parts of that offense were great. Hines is probably rostered in every league where it contains competent people. Uh, but if he's not, blow your free agent budget on him. Maybe we should have a quick discussion there. If you're not able to do waiver wire and you've got a $100 free agent budget, I, I have to assume Hines would be the number one bid for the week. How high would you go for him at this point? Like Mac is out for the season, just since we didn't say that out and clearly yet on the recording. So there's no Marlon Mack. We have Jonathan Taylor, who we're unsure of. And Rivers seems to look at Hines the same way he looked at Eckler last year. No one's going to convince me until proven otherwise that Hines isn't just going to take this job. How, would you go $20 on him in a $100 budget? I was going to say I'd go as high as 40%. That's wild, but I actually think you're right. Like, you got to go out and you got to get him now. I think this is our first, and it's just, it's happening so fast, but that's the first guy who could just be a league winner. We might just have Philip Rivers' new Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler in Indianapolis yeah. now. It's a really good way to put it. And it, does, and it looks very same. Like the way that he utilized Campbell and Hilton, they both seem like they could be fantasy relevant, which we've seen him have multiple fantasy relevant receivers and Keenan Allen and whoever else has been there for the Chargers at once. So I, I liked what I saw from them in a loss. They showed me that they have fantasy assets that can be, can be handled very well. Um, let's flip over now. We got the four o'clock games. It, Chargers and Bengals, I mean, obviously Joe Burrow's not sitting out there on the waiver wire, but um, perhaps from a fantasy standpoint, it's more relevant that Tyrod Taylor probably is unowned in a lot of leagues, and he looks like a guy you could stream in the right matchups when you have to. Uh, I was very impressed with the fact that Eckler ended up turning in a half-decent day for everybody, even though Taylor kind of did not involve him in the passing game. That, however, we do want to watch going forward. If it turns out that all of the pass value that Eckler had last year was a product of Phillip Rivers, we might know that right away. You and I kind of expected that because Tyrod Taylor is who he is, he would do a lot of checking down to guys like Henry and Eckler. Henry had a just fine day. Eckler had a fine day, but had to do it on the ground. And I don't know how sustainable that is long-term. Um, and, my most important takeaway out of all of this is that it's time to fire up A.J. Green while he's healthy and ready to go on all your teams. Uh, unless I see some more positive news out of Cleveland, I do fully expect that I'm going to be playing A.J. Green wherever I can on Thursday against the Browns and hoping for the best there. Maybe we will find out that Burrow's going to switch it up from week to week. But my impressions of watching that game, Wyatt, were that Boyd and basically every other weapon, including throwing the ball to guys like Mixon, are taking a backseat to Burrow. I think Burrow just realizes that he can find space, that he's a good quarterback and he's got a good arm, and that A.J. Green is just the freak – well, still is. I guess he still is the freak athlete that we knew him to be a few years ago, and he might legitimately be healthy right now for the first time in a while. Is it going to last all year? I don't know. Am I recommending you go out and trade for him? No, because he might do this for four to six games and then fall off the map. 
but I think until I see otherwise, I'm going to go ahead and trust him about as much as I would trust a guy like Ridley or Shark. If it wasn't for a couple of penalties, AJ Green has a huge day and a couple touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about Eckler yet. Uh, this was kind of a different game where the Chargers tried to grind out the clock basically the entire second half, so I'm not surprised that Eckler didn't really see any targets. We knew that he would have less going into this year with, with Tyrod Taylor. We still expect him to have some. I want to see what happens when they play Kansas City and they're playing from behind. Yeah. Um, all right. Saints and Bucks. Big one for the week. Saints came out of that one 34-23, which was quite awesome. Uh, good game from a watchability standpoint. Brady looked really iffy. I would expect that to continue for a couple weeks. His iffiness was more a product of trying to get familiar with the offense. I thought that was very, very obvious to anybody who was paying attention to that game. Uh, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't at all hesitate, for example. Like, if I, if I own Brady and I own Minshew, I'm just going to go ahead and play Minshew right now and let Brady get settled before I do that. Uh, Breeze, I thought, looked good. The passing attack for the Bucks looked good. In my eyes, Wyatt, Evans didn't see the ball because he was mostly an injury decoy, and they still ran a red zone play to him that was successfully completed. Um, maybe hit the panic button a little bit on Gronk. He certainly looked like a guy who was there to really help block more than catch passes. And I don't know and am not comfortable recommending to anyone that they go grab O.J. Howard because he looks like he might be the tight end that's out running routes more often. I think this is more of a wait-and-see thing. But I'm not freaking out just because, you know, they had a rough – a couple of rough patches throughout this game. I think the Saints are a really good defense, and the Saints did a good job to put the Bucks in, like, the worst possible position to succeed, which is their job as a defense. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I don't think we need to worry about Michael Thomas, despite having a very disappointing game. A lot of that is because at the time that you and I are recording this now, we know that Michael Thomas is not going to play this upcoming week. So you don't really have to wonder what's going on for week two. He's just straight up out now for week two and hopefully he comes back week three and is healthy and we're all much more comfortable in utilizing him. Um, obviously there's nothing wrong with Kamara. What did you think in particular? This is the question I wanted to ask you. Uh, I, I felt like just watching that game live that they are really going to utilize Manuel Sanders this year. You think he had a little stock increase from this game? Uh, I don't think I'm increasing his stock very much yet. I think actually I'm increasing my stock on Jared Cook, who seemed to pick up the slack mm. in the passing game. I thought everyone basically kind of underperformed on both sides a little bit, uh, but I think that's just due to the defenses. But Jared Cook, five catches, 70 yards in that game, I thought uh, showed well. And with Thomas getting ready to be out, uh, I think Cook is in for, for a little bit of bonus. I'm not sure Emmanuel Sanders uh, garners that many more targets. Uh, we'll see. I don't really know what that offense is going to look like without Michael Thomas, so I'm, I'm going to have to pay close attention to that next week as well. Uh, next up, Cardinals 24, Niners 20. Good Lord, DeAndre Hopkins looks amazing in that uniform and in that offense. I don't know that I wouldn't go out and try and figure out a way to trade for DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, he may very well just be the number one receiver. Um, I think the 49ers have a good defense, and I think you and I just whiffed on our hesitation 
Like it's, you know, luckily you and I didn't go as far as saying that DeAndre Hopkins wasn't worth owning or wasn't going to have a good year. We just said we have some questions about right. how this is going to look and how they're going to spread the ball around. But the, it's very clear that they're going to just give the ball to DeAndre Hopkins. And if it's even remotely close, the ball's going that way. If it's not close, then Murray will start to look for other options. Uh, I thought Murray looked okay, did what he was supposed to, gave you the rushing yards and the passing yards to be consistent. Um, what do you think on the other side of the ball? What do you think about Mostert? Really good game. He did, but I think it's important to note that the long touchdown he had was basically a blown coverage. He just like came running across the field and no one picked him up whatsoever, and it was just an easy run for a touchdown. But in the good news is that he led the backfield in touches by a very large amount. And that helps a lot, too. Tevin Coleman was damn near a non-factor. I think he only had one or two carries or something well, like that. Well, that was a weird situation because of the air quality and Tevin Coleman um, having sickle cell where he was actually unable to play as much as he normally would. Okay. Interesting. Uh, I can't really move on here without at least noting, sickle cell or no sickle cell, that the beneficiary of that was Jarek McKinnon. Yep. who turned in a small, interesting role within that offense. I could see that growing at some point. Um, but I will say, at some point, we're going to have to stop looking at Raheem Mostert and being like, oh, he was the beneficiary of this blown coverage or that or this. Like He seems to just sure. be stacking up instances where the circumstances work out well for him. I... Don't know. I think maybe he might be a guy who's going to try and make his way into a top 10 running back category this year that we didn't maybe necessarily see coming. Uh, but it was it was really promising out of both teams, uh, just the way that they, they played and the way they utilized their offensive weapons, I think is good from a fantasy standpoint because it gives us some clarity on who to use and who not to use. Uh, and then uh, the Cowboys were a little bit disappointing to me and the Rams were kind of the exact opposite Rams 20 Cowboys 17 Dak was very iffy and I hope that is not going to be the case for the guy who was just consensus third quarterback and was our third quarterback uh Gallup did everything that I wanted Gallup to do but a penalty prevented him from allowing you to cash in on him the way that I had hoped I definitely think that CD Lamb is a viable play immediately uh, and they even continued, Wyatt, to show that if you want to go out and play Tony Pollard, he's going to have a role in this offense week in, week out, like he did last year. So it's unfortunate that we have lost Blake Jarwin. That was a big piece that I was hoping to see a lot of development out of this year. But for right now, you know, Zeke is your stud. Cooper is looking like he's going to have more games over 10 than under 10 this year. Gallup looks great. Lamb looks playable. Pollard looks playable. It's a lot of a lot of options for what we knew was going to be a prolific offense, and they did it in a game where they were pretty disappointing, so I hope they have even better days. Um, on the other side, I just cannot believe the level at which the Rams utilized Robert Woods in every conceivable way in this game on Sunday. Did you get a chance to watch any of – just the rushing and passing combinations and the way they were getting the ball into into Woods' hands. 
I'm I'm not surprised that Woods got that work. I'm just surprised that we didn't see more work for Cup as well. But I think that might yeah. just be because of the the way the game went that uh, the Rams didn't have to try and put up a bunch of points because the Cowboys were having some struggles. Yeah, and I I hope you're right because I need to see more out of Cup and I need to see more out of Higby to justify him going where he was being drafted. Um, and then that kind of goes to your free agent pickup. So as we move on to start previewing next week now, obviously we're going to have to discuss some guys who are good on the waiver wire. Why is it that you feel so strongly about Brown? He just looked like the best running back, and he's definitely the back who's getting the touches near the goal line. Um, I just I don't think Cam Akers is ready yet. For now, I think Malcolm Brown could end up being an RB2 for the foreseeable future until Cam, uh, Cam Akers gets acclimated to the NFL. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I can't have everybody. So, like I said, I was kind of leaning, I was leaning towards Robinson just because that's my personal preference. But there's a lot of interesting pickups like that this week. All right, and then let's wrap up here with uh, a couple of Monday night games. Why? Let's go in reverse order because I don't think we have to say anything about the Titans and Broncos. What a mess that was! It was a sloppy game. No one can kick the football. Derrick Henry looks good, but does look somewhat touchdown dependent. That's fine. He can have 116 yards and not get a touchdown. Like, that's going to happen every once in a while. Uh, I just, you know, I'm happy Jonu got the target that he got. Noah Fant got a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. It's just, it was real, <laughs> real iffy. Like, I didn't see a lot of offensive weapons in that game that had me jumping out of my chair because I wanted to go play them for next week. Um, and I know it was a little bit rough for Melvin Gordon there after his initial fumble as well. So we'll have to keep monitoring. But I thought both offenses were just kind of overall bleh to me. Yeah, I mean, I think it went the way we thought it was going to. We thought that was going to be a low-scoring defensive battle. Philip Lindsay uh, has a turf toe injury, so I think that's the only reason why Melvin Gordon got the work that he did because, honestly, it was a full-on 50-50 split for most of that game. Um, I'm not going to overreact to anybody having a bad day in this game because it was just a full-on defensive battle. Yeah, it really was. Uh, the early game, I thought, had a ton of intrigue to it. Darius Slayton looks just under the radar awesome. His connection with Daniel Jones has only gotten better. And I think a lot of what we discussed in terms of the Giants, what's it going to look like when all these weapons are on the field at the same time? Here's what I saw. You can put as many weapons as you want in Giants uniforms. Teams are still only interested in loading the box to stop Saquon Barkley. They mm -hmm. absolutely should be. That is not going to change throughout this year. You're yeah. going to have to tolerate what might be a couple of bad weeks out of Saquon Barkley here and there because teams are loading up so much to stop him. It's what they have to do. You're going to play him anyway. So let's assume that's true. Every week they're going to see this type of defense. What then happens with the skill weapons? And what I saw is that Daniel Jones seems to almost care less about Evan Ingram and Shepard and everything else. He loves Slayton, and Slayton's getting the looks all over the field. It wasn't like he was just getting red zone targets. He was getting targets literally everywhere. I think this is another, like, under-the-radar guy that I might be trying to trade for on a few of my teams because I have a feeling that the way they went after the Steelers in this game is something that they're going to do for the rest of the year. 
Yeah, Slay- Slayton's the guy I want in that receiving core. He, we talked about it before the season that we thought he was the guy with the biggest potential. He had the most big play potential. All the other guys in their receiving core just middle of the field. Uh, yeah. So, I'm yeah, Slayton's the guy. And I thought what you had said a lot of this offseason in regards to Evan Ingram was spot on. It was really interesting to see that as well. Uh, now, the Steelers were much better than expected, at least in my opinion. Uh, Juju looked good. Ben looked a lot more invigorated and refreshed than I thought he might after having all that time off. Uh, So I'm going to have to continue to watch different facets of their past game. I do worry that all of them, Juju included, are not necessarily reliable from week to week. So here's another one where kind of like I felt about the Bills. I need to see them do it against a defense that's not the Giants before I really go all in on it. Um, But I think as far as we're talking about waiver wire guys, like we can't not mention Benny Snell here. So What's the word on James Conner now? No designation yet, so we're kind of in a tough spot. Uh, I still think you want Benny Snell on your rosters, though. Yeah, and again, this is another one where I'd expect, like with Neheim Hines, that if you're in a very competent league, Snell is already owned. But if he's not, he's a guy you should target probably ahead of Brown and Robinson. You think that's fair? I think he's in that range with them. Yeah, I mean, if we knew a little bit more, maybe if we found out in the next day or two that Connor was going to miss X amount of time, it would vault him up in those rankings a little bit. But uh, time will tell. So now we have to take all this information, make some roster moves, and figure out what in the world we're going to do for week two. That's going to kick off with our Cleveland Browns hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. What do you think we're going to see? This is going to be a really interesting game because I think both of these teams had rough week ones, and I want to see what this this game's going to bring for each team. Um, I think there's really no defense to be had in this game. Uh, I I really just want to watch how the quarterbacks perform here. Wyatt, if the Bengals go out and score early, is Nick Chubb going to give me another game where he only has 10, 11 carries and it's terrible? No, I, I think Chubb is still going to get his his work in this game. Um, they got uh, down by so much against the Ravens that they just had no choice but to to pass. And Cream Hunt is the guy who's going to play predominantly on third down. Um, I still think that Chubb is a viable play. I'm still starting him. I think you can play Cream Hunt. Um, I think you could play Landry. I think you could play OBJ because I don't think the Bengals can guard him. And I'm just going to put my faith in. Baker and OBJ getting on the same page. For the Bengals, like you said before, A.J. Green, I think, is a full go here. But outside of that and Mixon, I don't really want to play anyone for the Bengals. How are the Browns going to try and stop A.J. Green? Which corner are they going to use on him? Well, the Browns don't shadow. So you would think that Denzel Ward would have the best chance, but they could just move A.J. Green around and avoid Denzel Ward. And he's, he's going to be running on one of the worst defensive backfields. Do the Browns have the type of personnel that are going to keep Burrow from scrambling to pick up not only first downs, but to give himself a lot of fantasy uh, statistical fantasy boost from using at the rushing yards? That'll be interesting to see because, I mean, the Browns do actually have a very good defensive line with Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon and now Adrian Claiborne, uh, who played well in against Baltimore, actually. Uh, so I think it'll be very interesting to see if they're able to contain Burrow's rushing. I think that they will, but I wouldn't be surprised if Burrow breaks off, uh, you know, 20 yards or so. Yeah, but very different than San Diego. San Diego specializes in the secondary, not so much up front, 
the Browns are going to be almost a flip of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're not ready to sit OBJ. I'm comfortable with that. Again, if he hadn't had 10 targets against Baltimore, this is a very different conversation. Baker wanted to go after him and wanted right. to get him involved. And I think you're right. I don't know that the Bengals can stop that quite as well as Baltimore did. So if he gets another 10 targets, I've got to think five to six of them are catches and hopefully one's a touchdown. Uh, after we get through that all-important game on Thursday, let's uh, talk about some of these Sunday games. How about Giants and Bears? What do you think? This game's going to be really interesting. Um I want to see what Trubisky is going to do against this defense because it's another defense that can be beat. So I want to see how much he succeeds. Uh, I think we saw a lot of David Montgomery, so I like him here. I think you can just start to actually play him. You should be able to play Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller as well. On the Giants side, uh, basically, I think we're just going to play the guys that we just talked about before. You could play Saquon. You could play Darius Slayton. I don't know about anybody else. I couldn't agree more. I actually don't have much to add to that. Those are all the guys that I'd be looking to play as well. Uh, I appreciate you kind of giving a nod to Anthony Miller here because whether or not he should be flexed this weekend I think is going to be a big question for a lot of people that saw him go off on their bench this past week. I'm with you. I'm comfortable rolling him out in a lineup this weekend if it, you know, if I've got some space for him. Uh, after that, Detroit, Green Bay, do you think we're going to see anything similar to what we saw in week one from Aaron Rodgers. I do, because this Detroit backfield is really, really bad. What do you think about Valdez, Scantling, and Lazard? Can you flex them in this game? I definitely think you can. I think they should at least be on your flex radar for this week. Would you flex them over, let's say, Tyler Boyd? Yes, both. I agree. with. I'm, I'm shocked that I agree with that, but I do. I do agree with that. Would you put him ahead of, like, Shark or Hilton? No, but part of the reason I said over Boyd is because I'm just down on him a lot more now after what we saw this past weekend. Yeah. No, I wouldn't break the bank for these guys if you're going to auction for free agents. Like, I, I think these yeah. are kind of guys where I might be making a bid on other free agents that I really, really, really want. But maybe there's some guy in my league who's about to throw out $25 for James Robinson. Maybe my backup is three, four bucks out of 100 on Valdez Scantling. And if I get him, I put him there. Uh, but it, it, you're right. Like, they should turn in another another good week here altogether. Um, what do you think on the Detroit side? I mean, we're not running out AP or Swift now in this matchup, are we? I'm not so sure about that. Um, if you're desperate, I think you can still play them maybe in really deep leagues. I think they'll give you something, but like you're not going to be happy about what you get from either of them, I think. Hopefully we get Kenny Galladay back. I think that'll do a, t a lot for that passing game. Because I think Aaron Rodgers is going to show out against Detroit, I think that means that Matthew Stafford basically has to show out against him if Detroit has any chance of winning. So I'm kind of in on Stafford, in on Galladay, in on Marvin Jones, maybe even in on Hawkinson, who looked, dare I say, good in week one. Yeah, and let's not forget that they may not have really had their full foot on the pedal, but you know, Green Bay's defense didn't necessarily look that great. They still gave up 34 mm -hmm. to the Vikings and let the Vikings kind of have their way, uh, especially in the rushing game. It's just unfortunate that we don't have a lot of reliable rushing plays uh, on the Lions' side of the ball. Now, 
matchup of wonderful 1-0 Jacksonville at Tennessee. Is Jacksonville going to go to 2-0 and this week? I don't think so. I think we need to temper our expectations for this week. That Tennessee defense is very good. I will not be surprised if we see a down week from our loved Jacksonville players, but I want to alert everybody that it's going to happen and to not overreact if it does happen because it's more a testament to Tennessee than it is to Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, that's why I asked you in particular about if you would flex one of those Green Bay guys over Shark. Shark does strike me as somebody who might be in line for a rough week against Tennessee. Would you pop him down maybe 10 spots or so lower in the flex rankings than he was this week? For me, he's going to be on the low wide receiver two range. Not, I still play him over guys you're thinking about flexing. Um, he is DJ Shark after all, and we, we feel very highly about him. Um, it's just I, I think you need to temper your expectations for the week. I wish that I could think of maybe some better options to create a little bit of discussion here, but I'll give you one from one of my own personal teams. Uh, I have a team where I'm either locking in AJ Green on Thursday or I'm playing DJ Shark. Right now, I'm currently feeling like Green is a better play in that matchup. Wow, that, that, is, a, that is a very tough one for me. I think I'm going to have those guys extremely close in my rankings. Okay. It could be side-by-side, side, but I think that yeah. should help not only me, but everybody that that's kind of that might, where that we're... Might, that one might require some more thought, honestly. Yeah. That one's tough. Yeah. Probably true. What do you think about the Titans? Well, I mean, Corey Davis looks a half competent. I'm sure I, that won't last. I was really impressed by Corey Davis. He, <laughs> he, he looked like the guy we've been saying he should be for the past four years. Forever, yeah. Um. I think part of that is because Denver basically sold out on not letting A.J. Brown beat him, and it just yeah. left Corey Davis to to beat all the second and third string corners. Um, you're definitely playing Derrick Henry. If history has shown us anything, then Derrick Henry's going to have 300 yards and three touchdowns, so yeah. can't wait for that. Uh, I I don't know who else I'm really going to play. On Tennessee's offense, probably still Janu. If you drafted Janu, I think you're still safe to play him here because of red zone usage. Sure. But I think there is a chance this is just one of those games where Tanhill throws the ball 17 times. I agree, but I'm actually pretty high on A.J. Brown for this week. I just think that they're going to want to get him the ball. Yeah, and I don't think that Jacksonville has the personnel to stop him the way that we saw on sure. Monday. So yeah. I think this is kind of going to flip the script here, and I think that Brown's going to see himself a heavy dose of targets. 17, I think, might be a little too few. I think somewhere around 22, 23. Yeah, I mean, but I exaggerate I think, a little bit. but No, yeah. I know, but you're not necessarily exaggerating. <laughs> uh, but I think, I think Brown's probably in line for seven, eight solid targets this week. So I, I think he's one of the guys that I would definitely be really, really excited about. Um, I didn't even realize this was a matchup until I'm looking at it now, but it's Minnesota at Indianapolis. Am I looking at that correctly? Correct. All right. Interesting. What do you think about this game? This game is really interesting because Indianapolis is coming off a game that they thought they, they thought they were going to win for sure. Minnesota's coming off the tough loss to Green Bay. Uh, I'm quite intrigued by this, especially because I think the teams match up well against each other. Um, Indianapolis has a great run defense, and we've got Dalvin Cook going up against it, but you can't sit Dalvin Cook. I'm starting Jonathan Taylor for 
the Colts. I'm starting Naeem Hines for the Colts. I'm not sure about any receiving options there because I don't know how much you can just trust anybody at this point. How are the Vikings going to try and handle the passing attack then? Well, I think neither of these teams wants to pass. They just have to pass when they get into games like they had last week. You know, I, I don't have a good feeling about anyone in the Indy passing game yet enough to want to put them in my lineup. What do we think about feeling this week? Extremely good week on tap, huh? I think we have to start thinking about Thielen as a wide receiver one. After the way he was able to perform without anybody on the other side of him to pull coverage, if he's just going to be an alpha like that, I, I'm i going to be ranking him in my top ten. Yeah. How about the rookie? Justin Jefferson looked just okay. He only got three targets. Maybe it's just – Like a rookie. Yeah, he looked like a rookie. I know. I've, actually, they all kind of look like that. I wish I would have – uh, written down or screenshotted the statistic that I saw earlier, but I saw someone post about how much usage all of the rookies got. And it was really interesting because there really wasn't a single rookie who went and balled out. Like they all only had a few targets and a couple of catches for all these guys. I think arguably CD lamb might've been the most impressive rookie I saw all week. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's take a look now at Buffalo and Miami. Like there's a lot of, lot at stake for both of these teams here the the Dolphins have to prove that they're better than they look last week the Bills want to prove against a team that's not the Jets that they're able to do this I still worry like I have a lot of question marks about how how good Josh Allen really is um, I think when you put him under enough pressure and make him make really fast decisions sometimes he's going to make wrong ones are the Dolphins capable of doing that to him I'm not so sure that they're going to have the type of pass rush that can really fluster Josh Allen. I, I have a feeling that the Bills are going to put a beating on Miami this week. I definitely want Josh Allen in my lineups. I mean, you're, you're starting Josh Allen for sure at this for point. For sure you are, yeah. Stephon Diggs I want in my lineup. Um, I'm not ready to start John Brown yet just because I don't know if we're going to see the, the Bills throw that much every game. But you can think about flexing Singletary and Moss again. It's interesting. What about for Miami? It appears like there's no Devontae Parker. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. I don't want to play anyone for Miami, honestly. I would avoid them completely this week. Yeah, Preston Williams, I'll get locked down. Right. I would assume Fitzpatrick is not going to have a great day. I mean, if if Jordan Howard can't come out and prove that he can do it against almost an entirely new defense in New England. It's not going to work against Buffalo. I think you're right. Like the more that I think about this, the more I think Miami might have a hard time seeing 13 points, let alone 24 points. So I think we're sitting all our Dolphins. We're playing all our Bills. Yeah. Can't be a lot going on with this one, but next one is San Francisco and the New York football Jets. Does San Francisco win by 20? <laughs> they should. Absolutely. I feel like this should have one of those like week one, week two NCAA college spreads where you look and you're like, my God, is Oklahoma really going to cover a 68-point spread? And then they do. L let's just make sure that everybody understands why. They already couldn't run the ball, and now they don't have Levy and Bell. They're going to give the ball to Frank Gore 15 times in this game. That's a nightmare against San Francisco, right? 
I'm not missing anything there. Like, this is just going to be bad. Yeah, I mean, I'd still play Jamison Crowder. And of course. You could you could still play uh, Chris Herndon if you want. I mean, he did have seven targets and six catches last week, so I think he's still going to be a, a viable tight end. I actually think they might have even more targets. It may not equal more catches. Maybe I should put that caveat on there. But I think you're going to see an increase in targets for all these guys in the Jets offense. It just might not be for better results because they have no choice right. but to throw the ball now. Uh, I have to imagine that they're just going to have Frank Gore hoping to pick up two or three yards a carry just to do it so that they try and have some balance within the offense. But it, San Francisco is going to know damn well what they're trying to do. Um, what do you think about the Niners? Are the Jets going to make Garoppolo a viable streaming or daily fantasy play this week? You know, Garoppolo has that way about him that sometimes when he plays those bad defenses, he just goes out and throws four touchdowns. But I will never put my faith in that happening. Just can't trust it. Yeah. I mean, you want to play Raheem Mostert, obviously, especially after last week. I'll say that the Jets tend to sell out on stopping the run because that's the way Greg Williams likes to play defense. Um I still think he'll have a fine day. If Kittle's still looking okay health-wise, you're obviously playing Kittle. Outside of that, I, I'm just not counting on anybody. I don't, I'm sure that 49ers will score a good amount of points. I just don't know who's going to get them. Wyatt, I personally know quite a few people who have guys like James Conner and Le'Veon Bell as their number one uh, or number two running back. And they just do not have the depth on their bench to cover injuries at running back. If if you find yourself in that position, can I try to play someone like Jarek McKinnon after watching him score last week in a matchup like this against the Jets? Can I go for that? If you're desperate, sure. But I, I wouldn't be trying to do that yet. I mean, some of the other popular guys like Robinson have terrible matchups in Tennessee – I just, I mean, I'm with you. I agree. I just kind of want to play devil's advocate a little right. bit here that he did score, you know. Now that we're out of the toxic air, is, is Tevin Colwin going to be in line for a few goal line carries in this matchup? Unfortunately, I think these are questions we can't really answer. Yeah, that's the problem. That's why I'm saying I'm, I, I'll still play Mostert and I'll play Kittle, but I don't really want to touch anybody else yet. Yeah. Well, Speaking of Malcolm Brown, the Rams are in Philadelphia, and I do think that he is a viable play this week against the Eagles defense. It does look like he's going to be the guy that gets all the goal line carries for the Rams. Uh, I think the Eagles are a hot mess trending in the wrong direction. I want every piece of the Rams that I can get this week, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I would be all in on, on the Rams offense for sure. Um, all the guys you would normally play, Goff, Higby, Cup, Woods, and now Malcolm Brown. For Philly, I, like you, I, I am seriously worried. They're, they're supposed to get Lane Johnson back on the offensive line for this week, but if Washington's defensive line just did that to the Eagles, what's Aaron Donald going to do? Okay, a couple things. One, the football team's defensive line might be top five. I do think it's By good. the end of the year. We just don't know yet. It's too soon. So this might be a situation where, oh, God, like every year, you know, there's just some of those things that 
they happen in week one or week two and you think like, what the hell? But then by the end of the season, you realize like, oh, right. That's real. Like it was right in front of our faces the whole time that football team has great defense and the Eagles are trash. And we just didn't really realize it at first. So I I don't know that I'm going to necessarily fault them for that. But what you said is the important thing for me in this game, that I need to see the health of the Eagles offensive line first and the health of their receiver second before I'm ready to trust anything that is not Ertz or Goddard. Yeah, I don't think I'm ready to play Wentz anymore, but I'll still play Ertz and Goddard. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that they've learned from their mistakes last week. And even though they did involve Ertz and Goddard a lot, they need to involve them more and closer to the line of scrimmage to be able to have success because they cannot continue to try and take these deep passes at Rager and Jackson when they can't block any defensive line. No, because the accuracy was not there and the timing was not there to do it without the proper ability to drop back and run that play the right way. I definitely do agree with with that. Um, this is all making me very pessimistic since I have a team where my two quarterbacks are Wentz and Minshew. <laughs> and Wentz is now a disaster and Minshew has a terrible matchup. So maybe I am heading out into the uh, waiver wire to try and stream a quarterback for this week. I do not think it's going to come from the Denver-Pittsburgh game, although I <laughs> thought Drew Locke looked fairly competent. Um, first, is, is, am I going to see Cortland Sutton this week? I think so. I, you know, he, he was basically a game-time decision, so I, I'm, I'm expecting him to be back. Okay. What do we think about their ability to score? I mean, it's not fun to go from the Titans to the Steelers. I yeah, have to think great. that I'm going to see almost the same week that I saw from them previously. Yeah, the Steelers' defense uh, picked up right where they left off last season, looking really good. Um, I like the way that Noah Fant performed last week, so I'm in on Noah Fant. Uh, you could probably play Melvin Gordon because if uh, Philip Lindsay has to miss any time, then Melvin Gordon should see enough work that it doesn't matter if he's not efficient enough. He should be able to provide you some value. Okay. Um, I'm not sure about Cortland Sutton yet. Um, coming off the injury against a defense like this, I'm not so sure he's anything more than a flex option. Yeah, best. I mean, I agree with that, but we've been a little bit down on him anyway. Um, on the other side, I, should I trust Juju? Should I trust any of these receivers that I saw. I mean, again, they played the Giants, and that's iffy. This could be a whole Mm -hmm. different thing now against the Broncos. I I think you have to play Juju if you have him. I think it's important to know that he didn't even lead the team in targets. Yeah. Um, That was actually Deontay Johnson, but I don't want to play Deontay Johnson. Um, This this Denver defense is still really good, even without Von Miller. I don't know if I want to play anybody other than Juju for Pittsburgh. I expect this to be another game that's pretty low-scoring. So why don't you want to play Deontay Johnson? Because I feel like you could take a lot of heat for that. I mean, traditionally, you've never really wanted to chase touchdown production. Is that the case here? Deontay Johnson lives off these uh, short intermediate routes because he's a very good, quick route runner. My problem is that I think he could very well have just have a game where it's like five catches, five, 50 yards. Mm. And that's just not enough for me to want to put him in my lineup. If, if you need eight points this week, out of that position. That's all you need. Sure, go ahead. I think he's got a good chance at that, but I don't like to play guys who I am only going to hope for 10 points out of. Uh, Anthony Miller or Deontay Johnson? Anthony Miller. Deontay Johnson or Corey Davis? 
<laughs> I'm not ready to believe in Corey Davis yet, so I'll, I'll say Deontay Good. Johnson. It was a trap, and you did well. I'm proud of you. <laughs> uh, all right, let's hop over to Carolina at Tampa Bay. This, I think, should be a very interesting game. What do you think? I, I think so. This is a bounce-back game for Tampa Bay after struggling a little bit against the Saints. Uh, I, th- I think we need to remember the Saints are a really, really good defense. It doesn't matter if you're Tom Brady and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans or Rob Gronkowski. You're going to have a tough time with them. But now they get this Carolina defense that is really bad. Really bad. I mean, they drafted their entire defense in the, in the NFL draft this year. So um, I'm all over the Tampa Bay offense, especially Ronald Jones. Um, you know, we thought Leonard Fournette was going to be the guy when he went there. And it turns out Bruce Arians was just telling the truth when he kept reiterating that Ronald Jones is the guy. And he honestly looked pretty darn good against the Saints. And yeah, Car- really did. And Carolina is the fantasy rushing defense to attack. Last year, they ha- gave up 31 rushing touchdowns, and they just gave up three to, to Josh Jacobs. I want Ronald Jones. I think that's going to be an amazing uh, daily play for this week. I'm I'm wholeheartedly with you on that one. Uh, I'm definitely going after uh, Godwin and all the passing weapons that I can get out of this game. I, although I am very, very still confused on whether – should I try and get some value out of Gronk again or should I start to sit him now? I am a little bit worried because of his lack of routes like yeah. you talked about. Severe lack of routes, I would say. Yeah. Um it's looking like he is an absolute touchdown or bust guy, at least based on the first week. But you know, I don't, I don't want to overact too much. But I would, I would not play him this week, and see what happens. I'm with that. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good idea to me. On the other side, how am I going to tell what's going on with this Carolina target situation? I mean, I know I don't have the ability to sit DJ Moore. No one should have the ability to sit DJ Moore like we went out and took him in the second or third round for a reason. Can I can I pick up Robbie Anderson and flex him this week? This may not be the week to flex him because Tampa Bay's defense is pretty darn good. Uh, it's going to depend on how many points Tampa Bay is putting up and forcing Carolina to throw. I think that's a possibility. I think he can be a flex kit consideration for you. I'm not going to say for sure he's in there, but I think – he could be an option if you're, if you're struggling, if you've got any injuries on your team, you might be able to play him. All right. Anthony Miller, Robbie Anderson. Anthony Miller. I agree. Robbie Anderson, Deontay Johnson. Robbie Anderson. Yeah, I agree too. All right. I think we got him ranked <laughs> the same way there. Um, okay. Football team at Cardinals. Let's go. I... I'll, I'll lead off here. Uh, I had said to you earlier, and I really stand by this. I looked into this game a little bit more. I think that this is a blowout. Cardinals might be the team I pick as a survivor pick for this week for everybody who's out there playing survivor. I just think that everything that Washington did well against Philadelphia just plays in to the Cardinals' hands here. They would love for football team to just rush after Kyler Murray and let Kyler Murray go running off around the edge. 
or throw it to somebody in wide open space. As much as they want to come after Murray, I think he's going to get away. But I also think that as they come after him, it's just going to open up spots on the field that he's competent enough to attack appropriately. So I have a feeling that the Arizona offense is going to put up a ton of points in this game. I think if you're running a daily team, you have to find the budget to just start with DeAndre Hopkins. I might even go so far as stacking Murray and Hopkins and then figuring out how I'm going to do the rest of my lineup from there. Um, But I think this is also a week, especially in formats like PPR, that will reward you just from them getting work, that you might be able to look at the other Arizona receivers as well and get value out of them because I think they're going to run a ton of plays and that they're all going to see some success this week. Um, And then on the other flip side of that, I don't know that the football team offense is going to do a lot to really – keep up with Arizona but like Arizona is not a team to take their foot off the gas so I have a feeling this is just going to be a Cardinals offensive explosion off early and often yeah I think you're right I think uh Kyler Murray is going to carve up the Washington defense the, he's too mobile for them to be able to uh get that pass rush going the way they did against the Eagles yeah all right let's talk uh Chiefs and Chargers Obviously, I want to play Hill. I want to play Edwards Hilaire. I want to play Kelsey. I'm skeptical on Hardman, as I should be, after he only gets one target last week. Uh, Is the Chargers secondary good enough that I shouldn't be entertaining the idea of Sammy Watkins, even though he did have a great week one? Yeah, I I wouldn't be touching the other Kansas City uh, wide receivers yet. I think at this point, we can't really trust what we're going to get out of anyone not named Tyreek Hill, and because the Chargers have such a good cornerback group, I I would not play the rest of them. All right. Well, then tell me about the passing weapons for the Chargers and how they're going to perform in this game. thought Keenan Allen was somewhat relevant. Hunter Henry, you know, as we spoke about, had a good game. Who's going to be the beneficiary of the passing work against the Chiefs defense here? Yeah, I think – the sneaky play is actually Mike Williams, who Tyrod yeah. Taylor kind of had a connection with. We we know that Tyrod Taylor throws a good deep ball. It was kind of right in front of our faces that Mike Williams could just be the better receiver in the offense over Keenan Allen now, which which may be true. Uh, Keenan Allen will continue to work those underneath routes, but he's not going to get enough volume to, to live off of it. Uh, Hunter Henry, you know, he did exactly what we thought he was going to do. Uh, I think you still got to be playing him. I, like we talked about earlier, I'm hoping to see some pass work for Eckler this week. I'm hoping he has a big week based off of that. But it, it is interesting. I think you're you're really on to that. I guess it never occurred to me that that was right in front of our face the whole time. But he does seem like the guy that Tyrod Taylor might really, really like. That could be an asset worth owning if you can get him on the cheap or if he's available on the wire. Um, so next up then, our last 4 o'clock game. Baltimore at Houston. I'm hoping that this is the one that's nationally televised. I really don't know which of uh, the games it's going to be, but uh, let's start off with Deshaun Watson. He has a rough-ish day against the Chiefs. If he has a second consecutive rough week to start the year, people are going to start panicking. The Ravens don't seem like a great matchup for him. Should I be worried? You should be worried, but I think you still play him because I think what's actually going to happen is he's going to have three bad quarters and then make up for it in the fourth quarter when he throws for a touchdown, runs for a touchdown, and runs for 30 yeah. yards. Okay. 
All right. Now everyone is going to want to sit Brandon Cooks and play Will Fuller. Is that correct? Yeah, I'd still be on Fuller, but not on Cooks yet. You don't think the Ravens have someone in their secondary that can keep Fuller from popping off? Uh, I don't think so. I think that they can slow him down a little bit, but a healthy Will Fuller is quite the player. I mean, now, Will Fuller is not OBJ, but OBJ was open a lot this Sunday. It's just that Baker couldn't hit him. I think Deshaun Watson connects with Will Fuller. I agree with that. I think that could be a really good play in the DFS world as well. Um, what, what do you think we're going to see out of Dobbins and Ingram? It's it's going to be really interesting. Um, I'm guessing it's going to be another split. I don't really have the faith to start either of them going to this game. Anything more than a flex. Who would you want to start? Just Jackson and Andrews and everybody else kind of watch out? Well, and you could start Marquise Brown, who looked very good. Good, yeah. Unfortunately for, for Browns fans, he did look pretty good. He did. Uh, okay. I mean, that's good. I, I think what I'm seeing there is a lot of predictability. Yeah. The the players I'd figure I'd want to play are playable. The players I'd want to sit are not worth playing. And a lot of times that's really, really even in good matchups like this game, what I'm looking for. Uh, okay. So let's hit Sunday night. Patriots on the road at Seattle. I think the Patriots are in for a very long day. Is that just me? I agree with you because I think Russell Wilson's going to carve up that defense and it'll be interesting to see what that new New England offense looks like when they're playing from behind. Are there any offensive personnel that you want from the Patriots in this game? I would not start Cam Newton in this game because I want to see what he looks like when he's in a, this type of a game where they're not just playing from ahead the entire time. Boy. I don't know if I'm playing anyone on New England's offense. I wouldn't right. be surprised if there's some value to be had somewhere, but I think it's probably too hard to determine at this point. Right. Uh, it's impressive to me the impact that I think one player can have, and my God, the impact that Jamal Williams has had seems to be remarkable. Like Julian Edelman had five catches for about 50-some yards. I don't know if I'm comfortable playing him against Seattle – the way that they're just going to come all over the middle of the field and potentially cause problems. So I guess traditionally most people would have Julian Edelman as a guy that they would be looking to flex on their roster. I think like we've been discussing Anthony Miller the entire show. I'd rather go Anthony Miller than I'd go Julian Edelman. The, the problem with the New England offense right now, until we see otherwise, is that all the skill position players cap out at like 11 points. Yeah. Everybody, you know, Julian Edelman, five catches, 50 yards. Nikhil Harry, you know, like four catches, 60 yards. James White will catch a few passes. Uh, Sony Michels will run 10 times, but it's for 25 yards and he might score. Uh, there's no real tight end to speak of for the offense. You know, like there's, there's nobody who's got that ceiling that's going to make you want to put him in your lineup. Yeah. What about the flip side? I'm good to play Russ. I'm good to play Carson. Play your guys. Play Lockett and Metcalf. Everybody else is irrelevant. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this offense is if if they're going to let Russ continue to be uh, Chef Wilson, then 
I think that's going to be one of the best offenses in the NFL, and you can continue to start your guys regardless of matchups. I agree. I agree. So now let's round out here. Monday night football, Saints and Raiders. What do you think? Uh, I think that you can go ahead and start Drew Brees against the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders' defense is not very good. Um, you're definitely playing Kamara, without a doubt. Jared Cook as someone I'm actually really looking to play. He's going to be, I think, in probably every DFS lineup I play because I think he's the best or the biggest beneficiary of Michael Thomas. So what ex- – explain that a little bit, Wyatt, because I think most people are going to assume wide receiver one, Michael Thomas goes down, wide receiver two, Emmanuel Sanders gets the boost. You're telling me it's Cook who's going to receive the boost. Well, so – I don't think Emmanuel Sanders is that that kind of guy anymore who can handle that kind of uh, passing workload. And what I think actually happens is Michael Thomas's, you know, 10, 11 targets gets distributed amongst the rest of the skill position players. And two more targets for a guy like Jared Cook means a lot more than two more targets for someone like Emmanuel Sanders because Jared Cook has been way more efficient in the offense. Um, Emmanuel Sanders is going to continue to have these uh, short intermediate routes, but we've seen we've seen Jared Cook run these seam routes and wheel routes and get these big plays. He had one on Sunday where he ran up the left sideline and caught a, I believe yeah. it was a thirty yard gain. I think we're going to see a couple more of those plays for Cook. Like I said, I think Cook is the guy who produces the most off them compared to what he was already doing. That's really interesting because I was going to ask you why I feel like when I'm watching Saints games, I always feel like Cook is 40 yards downfield. Yeah. He runs those kind of routes, which is not traditional for a tight end of his size, I suppose. Right. What do you think about the flip side? I mean, there's no reason we can't. I mean, first of all, how the hell are you going to sit Josh Jacobs? Yeah, there's no way. After what he did last week anyway, but he should be fine. Even with the Saints having a good defense, like we know he's going to roll out. Anybody else? You want there? You can still play Waller. Outside of that, I don't have faith in starting anybody, but I am very interested to see how Henry Ruggs performs in this game. Um, he was going to be the one rookie who showed out, but he missed part of the game. He had to leave for part of the game yeah. due to injury. But when he was in the game, the Raiders were trying to get the ball in his hands, and he was producing with it. So I'm really interested to see what he can do in a full game against a good defense. I, I agree with you. So uh, it'll it'll be interesting. I think I think what we've done here is kind of set the table that the people we expected to trust we're going to go ahead and trust in week two. And there's an interesting set of new names in this flex conversation that weren't necessarily there last week. So hopefully, as we get closer to Sunday, people can hit us up on Twitter, look for some articles that are up on the website, and we can continue. This discussion, because I think this middle level of who you flex and who you don't is where we're going to have some make-and-break matchups this week. Yeah, everybody, make sure you visit the website, jwbfantasyfootball.com. Look out for Justin's Flex Do's and Don'ts articles. I'll be putting out my boom and bust. Find us on Twitter. I'm at YP underscore FF. Justin's at jwill underscore FF. The show is at jwb underscore FF. Next week, we'll talk to you again about what happened in week two and what's going to happen in week three. Yeah, as always, thanks for listening, everybody. Happy week two.